started a series a couple of weeks ago called Big Church, and we're talking about the church, capital C Church, the body of Christ all over the world. And it was inspired by some stuff that we read by Andy Stanley. Uh, he does a great job with this, talking about the church. And Andy actually shares a story about how he went to China. Him and his son went to China to visit. And in China, it's actually illegal to be a Christian. You're not allowed to be a Christian in the country of China. And there are churches in China that are registered churches, but they, uh, you have to show your passport to get in there. And if you're a Chinese national, you can't go to that church. It's only for people who are living there that aren't Chinese that can go to these. And there's a young lady following them. They were visiting a factory. And there's a young lady following them through this factory. She was going to be the next manager. And she said, now, in America, it's legal to go to church, right? And he said, yes, it is. And she said, well, why doesn't everyone go then? If you have the opportunity to go to church, why don't they go? And he said, well, I don't know. And he said, even some Christians don't go to church regularly. I said, well, why? I, I don't understand that. And he said, well, you know, sometimes we get busy, and, you know, sometimes the pastor makes us mad, or, you know, I mean, it, it's just kind of hard to fathom. But for her, it was just unimaginable that you could go to church and worship and not, because they don't have that privilege. And so, as Christians, sometimes we take kind of for granted the freedom that we have. And so, days like today, when we celebrate our independence, is a great way to remember that. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about the church, the capital C church, which is the body of Christ. And we've been talking about the fact that the church is not a what? It's not a building. It's not a place. The church is a movement. The church is the people of God who've been changed by the power of the Spirit, who've been changed by Christ, making disciples. Because that's what the church is about. And, and, you know, during the whole COVID thing, this became very real to us. That's actually why we started this series, because we were forced out of the building, Right? We couldn't meet in the building anymore, and we realized the church isn't a place. It's the people. It's a movement. So we've been talking about the fact that the church is a movement that started at a moment. It started because of an event, the resurrection of Jesus. And so I'm going to give just a little recap. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 9, if you have your Bibles with you. Uh, if you're, uh, I forgot, if you're watching at home and you have a prayer request, you can send us a message. You can put it in the, the chat there on Facebook if you want. Uh, but if you have a YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your computer or your tablet, it's in the events tab there, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19. But we said that when Jesus rose from the dead, after being crucified, he gave the disciples what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He says, go into all the world and make what? Disciples of all nations. Then in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he called his disciples together and he said, I want you to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And take this message. And they said, now wait here for the, the gift. And so they kind of waited around and waited around. They all got together. They were praying in Jerusalem. And then on, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about on the day of Pentecost, this big feast that was going on with people from all over the area, the Holy Spirit came and he empowered the disciples. He gave them power. And then Peter gets up. Now this is the same Peter that like two weeks before had said, oh, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. Three different times. Once to a little girl. Peter was emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. He gets up and he preaches a message. And he said, you guys did this to Jesus. It was just right down the street here. But he rose from the dead. 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ that day. That was the opening day of the church, the capital C church, this movement, the body of Christ. A couple of weeks later, a couple of days later, they were in the temple and a guy gets healed. And uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders didn't like that because it kind of upset the balance of power. 
And so they arrested the disciples, two of them, and said, you can't talk anymore about Jesus. And then Jesus lets them out of jail, and they go and start talking about Jesus again. So they round up all the disciples, and they flog them, they beat them. And they said, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. You're messing things up. And you know what they did? They went home and had a pity party and said, well, we can't do this anymore. No, that's not what they did, was it? It said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer, and then they preached again. And so the church kept getting bigger and bigger, and more and more people, thousands of people were following Jesus. And then they started getting persecuted. They started getting persecuted because they're Christians, and then guess what happened to the church? It spread. It left Jerusalem, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then people who weren't Jewish started following Jesus. They, they called them Gentiles. But during the persecution of the church, a young man named Stephen was preaching a message, and Stephen gets stoned. Now, I've never preached a message that made people so mad they stoned me, thankfully. <laughs> Peter did, or Stephen did. And so Stephen gets stoned, and he prays for the, the people who killed him. He says, Lord, forgive them. But one of the, the coolest intros in all of Scripture, it says there was a man standing there giving approval to their death, and his name was Saul. Saul was actually persecuting the church. He was going house to house where people were meeting and dragging them out to prison, probably having them killed. And on the way to Damascus, God speaks to Saul. Jesus actually shows up, knocks him off his horse, and blinds him. And he said, why are you persecuting me? Talking about the body of Christ. Why are you persecuting me? So then Saul gives his heart to Christ, and a man named Ananias is praying one day, and the Lord said, I want you to go to this house, and I want you to pray for this guy named Saul. And Ananias said, uh, uh, that's not a good idea. Saul, not good people. You know, he's, he's trying to kill us. Why would you want to do that? And the Lord said, go. So he goes and he prays for him. Saul gets healed of his blindness. And then it, we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 9 here. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 19. It said, so scales fell off his eyes in verse 19. Afterward, he ate some food and he regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And when? Immediately. Immediately he begins preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and, and didn't he come here to arrest him and take him in chains to the leading priests? Saul's teaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. So Paul is really making a ripple here, right? So during the night, uh, they waited at the city gate so they could murder him in verse 25. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. He had to escape in a basket. That's humiliating, right? And then verse 26, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. How the Lord had spoken to Saul. He told them all that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So he stayed with the apostles and went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some of the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Seeing a pattern here, right? When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it also grew in numbers. So we see here that Paul gives his heart to the Lord, and then Paul felt this call. And it wasn't just a call, it was an urgent call. To go and do what? To make disciples. 
Guys, there's a call, that commission that Jesus gave us. Paul immediately realized that this call to take the church outside of the walls, this movement, and it was urgent. It was something that had to be done. So I want to look at a couple of things about this call to go. And the first thing we realize is this call is urgent, and living for Christ can sometimes be unsafe. Do you realize that? Sometimes following Jesus can be unsafe. Paul gives his life to Christ, and twice people had to murder him. And then it happens more and more as he goes on down the road. But up to this point, he's tried to be murdered twice. Sometimes it can be unsafe. God is good. We realize that, right? But it's not always safe. It's not always easy. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you guys have ever read those. But in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I made my kids watch the movie the other day with me. But there's a lion named Eslan who symbolizes Christ, right? And there are these two beavers telling these little kids about Eslan. And one of the little girls, Sally, said, well, is he safe? I love this quote. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. I love that line because, you know, following Jesus isn't always safe, but it's always good. Jesus is always good, but he doesn't always do things that we feel are safe or appropriate. Saul had to get lower down through the city wall in a basket. And that's not like, you know, a five-foot drop. I mean, this is a long way down. And he got, <laughs> tried to murder him twice. So God's not always going to be safe, but it's always going to be good. And we're told repeatedly in Scripture to go. This isn't just thing that God said one time. He said over and over again, go. The word go shows up more than 1,400 times in Scripture. Go. Go. Abraham, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will, what? Show you. <laughs> Abraham got called to go before he even knew where he was going. He didn't get called to a place. He got called to go. Sometimes God is going to tell us to do something, and he may not tell us the whole thing. I remember Amy and I were youth pastors in a church one time, and God told us that we needed to go. And we said, well, where are we going? He said, don't worry about it, just go. And then we found out along the way. If he told us where we were going, we probably wouldn't have went at the beginning. So God tells us to go. So just like a relationship with Christ, as we grow in him, God is going to do things that we would never imagine. Abraham became the, the father of this whole thing, and he wasn't even able to have kids at that point. So God told him to go. Moses in Exodus 3, he said, Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses was not qualified to lead anybody at that point, was he? He grew up in the king's house, but then he tried to deliver the people on his own. Murdered a guy, hit him in the sand, they found him. He had to run. He went and became a shepherd for 40 years. Married a lady. Married a really, brought in a really wise father-in-law. But God said, Go, and Moses said, I can't even talk well. How am I going to go? And God kept saying, Go. Most kids, well, send, send my brother, you know, throw his brother under the bus. Send him. Aaron's a better speaker. No, go. So he was told to go. Deborah, in Judges chapter 4, she said, go, this is the day the Lord has given sister into your hands. Sometimes God will send people along to help us go, right? Tell us to go. Jonathan is armor bearer, and 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let's go over to the outpost of these Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Sometimes we have to know the urgency. 
Ananias, as we read in Acts chapter 9, the Lord said, go and pray for this guy. Don't you know Ananias wished he was anywhere but home that day? <laughs> oh, uh, send somebody else. I, I'm out. You know, I, I'm, I can't do that. God told him to go to someone who was dangerous, and he sent him, and God changed history through Ananias' willingness. Imagine if Ananias said, no, I don't want to do that. God would have sent somebody else to pray for Saul. But because he was willing, God set in a chain of events that literally changed history. We're here today. We know Scripture today because Paul wrote it, right? So there's just a couple of examples where God keeps saying, I want you to go. God sent a man named Barnabas alongside Saul and helped him grow in his relationship. So God shows us what to do. God tells us where to go. So there's lots of ways that we can go. There are a lot of different ways we can go. We can go out of our way to our neighbors. We can go out of our way to speak to our coworkers. We can go out of our way to kids at school who share a locker next to us, who sit next to us in class. We can go to Walmart, to all these different places. We can go. We can be intentional about going. We can go to our family. Some of us have family members who don't know Christ, and God has put you right there with them to be an example to them, to be a witness to them. We can go to different family members. We can go to people who don't know Christ, and they are guys everywhere. There are people all around us who don't know, and Jesus is telling us to go, to share this hope that we have with them, to share this thing that God has done in us. Like Pastor Kenny said in that very first song that we sang, the one thing that people can't argue with is your what? Your testimony, your story. I love when I go back home sometimes, back to where I grew up in Missouri, and people say, oh, what do you do these days? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And they said, you're a what? <laughs> what, what kind of church do they let you pastor? <laughs> No, I'm different than I used to be. God changed me. So, so why don't we always go? Well, sometimes there are things that get in the way. There are roadblocks that get in our way sometimes. There are roadblocks to the call. And sometimes we let things kind of get in. Our past can sometimes be a roadblock to us. You know, in Acts 9, when Paul went to the church, they said they were terrified. They said, isn't this the, the man who was raising havoc, who caused all this chaos, who was trying to arrest us all? And guys, sometimes we let our past come between us and what God wants to do through us. Sometimes we let the things that have happened in our lives hold us back, and, and God makes us new creations. There are going to be people in your life who try to hold your past over your head, who try to hold mistakes over your head, and if God has said go, you need to go. If God has told you, yeah, I want you to go to this person. I want you to go there. Don't allow people to, to set you back. So our past can sometimes be a roadblock, but it doesn't have to be. Paul wrote later, he said, I forget what is behind, and I strain forward to what God has called me to. So sometimes we have to let that stuff go. He gives us a new start. Sometimes feeling unprepared can be a roadblock. Did you notice it said when Saul gave his life to Christ, he stayed for a few days, and then he went and immediately began to preach. He immediately went out and started sharing what God had done in his life. Sometimes these things that God tells us, we don't feel qualified, but you know what? Most of the time in Scripture, when someone was called to do something, they felt unprepared. How many of you, when you brought your first kid home, felt prepared? I was terrified. When we brought my daughter home, I've shared this before, I'm sure, but I remember Amy and I were standing there. We just brought her home from the hospital, and she's laying in her little crib. And 
I was like, if I don't feed this kid, she dies. Like, she can't scrimmage around like the dog can. You know, this is on us. I have to get her like 18 years out into the world, right? It's terrifying. We had no idea what we were doing. Some of us still don't feel like we know what we're doing, right? At home, at work, we, we always feel unprepared. And the thing is, God gives us the ability. God doesn't call people who are qualified. He calls people who will trust him. He calls people who are willing to go. So God gives us that ability. And so, and we see that Saul, as soon as he got called, he ate, he regained his strength, he spent time. We have to make sure we spend time with God allowing him to equip us. We can't try to do it on our own. We have to allow him to work in us. Saul connected with other believers. He spent time with believers. He had Barnabas that came alongside him. There are lots of ways we can get involved with our church family. There are lots of ways to get connected. Guys, we have life groups on Sunday nights. Well, not now, but we will eventually again. We have Sunday school classes eventually again, right? We have women's ministries. We have men's Bible studies. We have Honor Bound. We have all these different things you can connect with to help build other believers and allow other believers to build you. We're not meant to do this thing alone. Not understanding God's plan can sometimes be a roadblock. You know, sometimes when we give our hearts to Christ, we think, okay, everything's going to be easy now. That's not always the case, is it? Sometimes there are hardships that come along. And guys, here's a hard thing to believe. Sometimes hardships are God's plan for us. <laughs> Sometimes not understanding God's plan kind of make us think, well, this can't be right. But and to understand sometimes God is telling us to step out of our comfort zone. Step out in faith to do something. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 through uh, verses 23 to 27, Paul lists all his hardships, all the things that had gone on in his life to bring him where he was. And he was saying, these things were God's plan for me. Paul said, I was shipwrecked. I've been beaten multiple times. I've gone hungry. I've gone without food. I've gone without shelter. And these things were all God's plan for my life to get me where I am today. And Paul had a lot of good things too. But guys, sometimes things happen in our lives and we think this can't be God's plan for me. But sometimes God is using these things to shape us and the people he wants us to be. Sometimes the greatest teacher can actually be suffering. Philippians chapter 1, verses 29 and 30. Guys, this is Paul writing this, the man who we've been reading about. He says this, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were going through the same struggles you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Guys, sometimes God calls us to hard things. And that hard thing helps us go. That hard thing helps us get out of our comfort zone and go. And so sometimes suffering is part of God's plan. Rob Ketterling, who's a pastor up in Minnesota, said this, Embracing God's command will cost you something. There's no question about it. For you to embrace the go might mean you lose a relationship follow God across the globe, or give up a cushy retirement to invest in God's kingdom. Sometimes this go is going to cost us something. Sometimes being a Christian is going to cost us something. Not like it does in China or some of these other places where it's illegal to be a Christian, but sometimes being a Christian and standing up is going to cost you a spot on a roster for sports. Sometimes it's going to cost you a promotion at work. Sometimes it's going to cost you a relationship. A friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It, it might cost you something in your family, but it's always worth the cost. 
Because like we said, following Jesus isn't always safe, but it's always good, and it's always better. And so we see in Paul's life, it cost him a lot. I was reading the other day, and some people think Paul was actually pretty well off because of his position as a religious leader. And then when he became a follower of Christ, he gave up all that. And he went on these missionary journeys to plant churches and got way out of his comfort zone. There's this great story further on in Acts where Paul gets shipwrecked. And he's like the guy leading the charge. Like, oh, no, you know, don't, don't let guys get off the boat. We're going to crash, but it's all going to be okay. Right? So, so what does this call mean? What is this? If we're embracing this call, what does go mean for us? What does go mean for a church? What does go mean for the capital C church, the body of Christ? What does that go mean? Well, for some, it means having a conversation with a coworker about the gospel. Maybe God has laid a coworker on your heart, and he wants you to go talk to him. Now, this doesn't have to be this huge, awkward thing, you know, so tell me what's going on in your life. You know, it could just be sharing, hey, look at what God did for me this weekend. Let me tell you, I used to go through the same struggles you did, and here's how God helped me get through that. I had the same problem in my marriage. Let me tell you how God helped me through this. I had the same struggle with my kid. Let me tell you how God did this. Or maybe we don't have an answer. We just say, hey, I don't know what to tell you. I've said this before. I don't know what to say, but I'm with you. I'm going to walk through this thing with you. I don't know how to get out of this, but I'm going to pray for you, and I'll be here with you. For some, it's, it's becoming intentional with our kids. Maybe we need to, to be intentional about sharing more with our kids, doing devotions as a family together to lead them in that direction, to be that example. For some, it, it means sacrificing and giving to missions. Maybe you got caught as calling you to give up a coffee a week to give to missions. I knew a kid in one of the youth groups where we pastored. He, he loved going to McDonald's and getting a value meal. And he said, you know, I'm going to give that up every week to give that to Speed the Light. I mean, it was five bucks back then. But that was a big deal for him. He said, this is my cheeseburger that's going overseas, so somebody better appreciate this, right? And so maybe God is calling you to, to do something, to give. For some, it may mean I need to step back for a minute and get my spirit healthy so I can minister to someone else. Maybe there's a relationship that's been strained, and I want to get healthy so I can help that relationship. There was a story that I read, and I, I've probably shared it before, but there's a guy that moved into a new house in a neighborhood, and it, he started talking to his next-door neighbor, and he's a guy that loved to golf. So every Sunday when this guy and his wife were going out, getting the family in the car to go to church, the neighbor had his golf clubs loading him in his car, and he said, hey, you want to go golf with me? I said, nah, it's okay, I appreciate it, but we're going to go to church. The next week, hey, you want to go golfing with me? No, I'm going to church. Next week, and the next week, all through summer golf season. And so finally he went over there one day, he's like, dude, I tell you every single week I'm going to church. Why do you keep asking me to go golfing with you? He said, well, I was hoping one of these days you'd invite me to church with you. Sometimes someone is just waiting for an invitation. They're looking for hope, and we have that, and they're just waiting for us to share that hope with them. So what does go mean for you? What is God saying to you about going? And this is something I can't answer. Maybe God is calling you to go on a missions trip. Maybe God is calling you to start a ministry. We have a couple sitting in the church here, and they felt like they were supposed to start picking up kids and bringing them to church. Man, it's been... Six years ago? So yeah, six, seven years ago. Started bringing kids to church in their own car. And then they filled up their car. And they made multiple trips. And they started taking the church van. And then it went to two church vans. And it went to three church vans. Because God pushed them out of their comfort zone. People who started ministries. 
to different hurting groups because God told him to do that. God has started all kinds of amazing things in here. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to pray this morning. And what I'm going to ask you to do is say, Lord, what does go mean for me? Because we're all called to go. It may mean to your workplace. It may mean overseas. Maybe God is speaking to someone about being a missionary overseas, being a missionary here. Whatever it is, God is speaking to you. We're going to ask him to do that. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, this morning, if you're physically able. If you're at home, you know, maybe put your feet down and, and stand up. Thanks for staying with us. So whatever God is calling you to do, we're going to pray about that. So Lord, right now I just come and I thank you for the incredible, incredible call that you put on our lives to make disciples. Because we realize church isn't about us. It's about those who need you. It's about those who need hope. And we were all there at one point. We all need hope. And so God, I pray this morning you would speak to hearts today. Lord, that you would speak to people and help us to open up and hear what you're saying to us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just kind of shut yourself in for a moment with the Lord. And, and you know, today you might be saying, you know, Pastor, I've never actually said yes to Christ. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've never taken that first step into relationship with him. And I feel like I want that today. I feel like I want God to, to move in me. You may be sitting at home, watching at home, and you've never asked Christ to forgive your sins. You say, you know, today is the day I want to do that. All it takes is just a simple prayer. We're going to pray this prayer all together. I'm going to ask everyone here to say it with me. And this is just a simple prayer. You saying, Lord, I want you to forgive my sins. I want to start this journey that you've been talking about like Saul did. So everybody pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love for me. And I admit that I've made mistakes. I've sinned. And I ask you to forgive me come into my life, change me, make me a new creation, and help me to follow you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to talk to me or one of the people you see up here. If you're at home, send us a message. So we have a gift we want to give you uh, to help you down that journey. Now, if you're here today and you're listening at home, we're going to take a moment. We're just going to pray. We're going to say, God, show us what the goal means. And I really believe God is going to speak to hearts today about starting a new ministry, about going to a person that, that's been sitting next to you at work or sitting next to you at school or living next door to you or down the block from you. I really believe God is going to put people on our hearts and ministries on our hearts today. So, Father, I pray you would show us today what our goal is. Show us where you want to go, who you want us to speak to. Give us opportunities, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.